Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. If we're going to suspend players, why can't we suspend this guy? Dan Campbell needs to get suspended too, and so does Mike McCarthy. Then when you go back to the seven and say, we're going to go for it anyways, you get the break of the offsides and then still go for it from the four-yard line. Like That's just gambling. You're on tilt at that point. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Vs, and I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, happy new year, the first day of 2024. Hope you uh, brought the new year in right, and uh, we're able to celebrate football here as we uh, look back on what happened in week 17. Yeah, it was a good it was a good day. You know, I mean, it was a up and down day, but it was a good day. I was happy. I, I, I came out of the Russo picks two and one and he was two and one. So I got through that. It was a little scary. Should have been three and oh, but Elliot's Colts, for some reason, <laughs> decided to play Palms 80 percent of the time. I mean, I want to just just go berserk, but that's somewhere else. I was cursing in front mm. of Dominic, which isn't always good. Oh, but that's not good. anyway, I promise to be better next week. But it's great. 2024. Looking forward to it. It'll be a great year. You know, we're blessed. We're certainly all blessed. Yeah. Happy New Year to all of our listeners and viewers as well. We hope everyone has a happy and healthy New Year. Uh, we have a lot of fun college football today and all that stuff with the NFL taking a uh, step back here on a Monday. But of course, week 18, we'll get into all the ramifications of that going forward this podcast and of course on Thursday. But let's start with the AFC number one seed because the Baltimore Ravens yesterday, my goodness, I mean, they just blitzed another team another team that people think highly of as they beat the Miami Dolphins 56-19. This was the one seed was up for grabs for both of these squads here, but Baltimore secures it. Lamar secures MVP with the five touchdown passes and only three incompletions in the game as, hey, the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC now goes through Maryland. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately for Miami, they're beat up. I mean, you know, this is not the same Miami team that we thought was turning the corner defensively. You know, when they lose Howard in the game, then Eli Apple comes in. They went right after him. And then, of course, Tua has the bad shoulder. And, you know, all of a sudden, it the problems just compound themselves. And then Bradley Chubb, unfortunately, gets the ACL at the end of the game. So, look, Baltimore clearly is. You know, anybody that thought that Baltimore was going to not be able to come back and bounce back were sorely mistaken. It's funny, Baltimore scored 21 points in the fourth in this game. I think kind of to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And where is Miami? I mean, Baltimore's going to be a hard team to beat. I mean, the way that Lamar's playing, throwing the football, this isn't Lamar running. This is Lamar playing playing quarterback, really at a high, high level. And, you know, where, where are they going? Who's going to play them? And the way they run the ball, the physicality. I think the one thing I noticed watching the games yesterday, Femi, is you can tell the Ravens are still practicing. And mm-hmm. their pad level's good. Their physicality's still good. Whereas some other teams, we'll talk about in a second, aren't. And that really shows up. It really shows up this time of the year. 
Yeah, the, the Ravens, they suffered a number of injuries, but now with the number one seed secured, they can rest some guys and also practice hard during the bye week as they get ready for the divisional round. Like like you, like you said it, like the physicality jumps off the screen. I mean, Roquan Smith, he was all over the field yesterday, had a nice interception. How about the catches, though, by some of these Ravens pass catch? Like Isaiah wow. Likely with the one-handed catch goes down the sideline. One of the biggest plays of the day, Zay Flowers, he's been awesome as a first-round pick. Like they, They've really built an offense around Lamar Jackson that at the beginning of the season and in the offseason we said hey can this Todd Munkin offense be a 21st century offense because things had gotten stale with the previous play caller and they've really lived up to all expectations and even surpassed them what we've seen especially in these big games yeah I mean look Lamar's throwing the ball he throws the ball well we know he throws the ball well in the middle of the field he was accurate the likely pass I thought was incredible it was a great catch it was incredible Mm -hmm. and you know he's making plays down the field look this is a hard team to play and I think defensively they're so mentally tough you know, the, the the Dolphins were getting some things early in the game. They kind of got them corrected, and then they got to Tua, put some pressure on him, you know, and then he throws the two picks. You know, he gets, gets sacked three times in the game. And, and once again, you know, I mean, for Miami, uh, you know, look, Miami's got a good team, but the problem is can you keep the team healthy, right? Yeah. And what have I often said about Miami? How do you beat Miami? And it was really clearly yesterday. They had 15 third downs in the game. They had 15 third downs of the game, and they went for it on fourth down four times. Now, they got behind. I get that. But when you stay out of – when you put them into third downs and you limit the amount of explosive plays and you kind of clamp them down, you're going to put them in a third down situation and they're not going to be as good. Whereas the Ravens played Canadian football the whole day. They were in seven third downs all game. That, that's the recipe to win, Femi. Yeah, stay out of third down, get first downs on first down and on second down. And the Ravens were able to do that. 491 yards of offense, 8.9 yards per play for Baltimore in this game. And we take a look on the Miami side where last week it's like, okay, you beat Dallas. If you win the final two games, you're the number one seed. If you split those games, you win the AFC East. Now, after what happened with Buffalo and New England, Next Sunday, Sunday night in Miami will be for the AFC East title as Buffalo. They looked sh- very shaky yesterday watching that game shaky. against New England. Oh, <laughs> like, it you're was, being kind. It was, it you're being kind. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they know, won 27 21, but whew, it was I mean, bad. they got gifted. They got gifted. They got gifted. You know, the interception return for the touchdown by Douglas is a miscommunication. Zappi thinks they're throwing the slant. They don't, he throws a, and the receiver runs the off route. I mean, then, you know, the fumble, then, then they get another interception, you know, and then he get a fumble. And they, I think basically the, the, at the end of the day, I think the Bills might have scored seven points with their offense. I mean, they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could not do anything. I mean, he's 15 for 30 in the game, Josh Allen, for 160 yard, 69 yards, right? You know, what did he, and of course he threw one interception again. You know, they ran the ball 37 times for 127 yards. Couldn't run the ball either. I mean, couldn't run the ball. I mean, this was a game. It was funny. I'm watching this game, and I'm saying to myself, for all the people that think New England's the worst team in the league and Belichick can't coach all that crap, really, if they would be better, if they had a better quarterback, a better offensive line coach, I know their line coach has got some some illness. He hasn't been there, Adrian Clem. And they would have had some of these details nailed down. They would be right in the thick of this thing, right in the thick of it. They're not that bad. They really aren't. And, and it makes you worry about the Bills. I mean, because mm-hmm. the Bills couldn't block them yesterday, Femi. I don't know if you saw much of the game, but the Bills were having a hard time blocking them up front. 
Yeah, it felt like every time I was looking up at that game, Josh Allen was trying to make some play outside of structure, which he tends to do all, a lot, but it, it was it was not good. It was clunky from the Bills, 4.1 yards per play. Uh, they were outgained by New England. New England had 5.5 yards per play, but those turnovers, and we talked about this game yesterday morning in previewing it for the Lombardi line on VEASAN, and, and you said that New England – they could be able to be competitive, but they need Zappy to protect the football. They were competitive with him not protecting the football. Like four turnovers. Exactly. Like, like the guy threw three interceptions in the game, and they still were right there with a chance to go ahead and, and pull off the big upset and would have been a devastating upset for Buffalo based on what else happened in the AFC. I mean, that was, you know, how I classify the wins. You know, you've got the dominating win, uh, a, you know, a, 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 deflecting win a, a win kind of where you're you know dictating win where you're not kind of into control but you win the game and then you've got a, a dangerous win this was a dangerous win for them I mean think about it New England goes they get returned they get the ball back again one play interception then they go three plays punt one play interception two play fumble three play punt that's their first quarter and then they start the second quarter off with interception then they throw a touchdown then of course they miss another field goal which is a turnover again, and then the end of the first half. I mean, the, really, the, the, and then the, third, the second half, they had punt, touchdown, punt. The Buffalo was able to control the clock and keep the ball. You know, Buffalo had the ball for 32 minutes. They scored their only touchdown in the third quarter. So, I mean, they were fortunate. I, I, I was unimpressed with Buffalo. I thought Buffalo's offensive line got beat up in the game, and, and New England played their asses off, and it's a six-point loss for them, but they had more than enough chance. They just gave the game away to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what happens sometimes. You turn the ball over, it's hard to win these football games, especially when you do it four times. So we have the AFC side wrapped up, and we'll obviously go more in-depth on this Dolphins-Bills game, Sunday Night Football next week, the final game, Game 272 coming up on Thursday. But the NFC side... The San Francisco 49ers, I don't think the expectation was that they would clinch the one seed yesterday, but they ended up doing it. They beat the Commanders 27-10. to uh, Purdy was once again efficient, made some great plays outside of structure. Ayuk had a big day there. Niners defense was able to clamp down in the second half after giving up some yards in the first half. But uh, San Francisco once again took care of business on the road in their final road game of the season. Yeah, I mean, then, you know, look. Give, give credit. I mean, the commanders, they just can't. It's a little bit like when they played Dallas, right? It was a f- close game at the half, and then eventually they get taken out of the game. They can't quite do enough. And San Francisco gave them some yards in the first half, but in the second half, other than, you know, they had that one drive in the fourth quarter that, that resulted in an interception, uh, you know, they were able to finally put some pressure on, on Hal and take this game over. Good win for them. But they needed – uh, they post this win, and then they get the luckiest break of all. I mean, yeah. this Eagle defense. I mean, oh we're, I mean we're going to need therapy people back here in Philadelphia. Philly is the perfect example of a team that does, doesn't look like they're practicing. Like, and I know they're practicing, but their pad level, their run fits, their run defense is really bad. I mean, I, I always thought James Conner was a good player, but watching him yesterday, he was really good. And Michael mm-hmm. Carter, they couldn't tackle Michael Carter. They could not tackle him. I mean, you know, it was funny, Femi. I don't know if you noticed this, but when they when the Eagles kicked the field goal to go up, by, what was it, 31, 30? 31, 28. 31, 28, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, in the, they panned the crowd around. And there wasn't a happy face in the crowd, right? Nope. There wasn't because the crowd knew. The crowd knew that the Eagles defense couldn't stop them. The crowd knew it. And, you know, and, and they went right down the field. I mean, they went right down the field and scored. 
it, it was really it was a game that they I don't know how they did it. I thought for sure why I thought when it's 21 to three at the end of the first half or 21 to six at halftime, you think the Eagles are going to take control of the game. It's 21 to six at halftime. I knew the Cardinals got the ball to start the second half, but you got to clamp them down. But you give up 220 yards rushing to the Arizona Cardinals playing at home. It I mean, was... and, and when I say that number to you, you say, well, Murray went crazy. Murray ran for 24 yards. That's Carter. all he ran for. It was Carter and Connor. They couldn't stop them. I mean, the Eagles can't tackle. They can't tackle in space. Their secondary can't cover. Other than that, they're playing wonderfully. <laughs> it was a bad defense that had to play a doubleheader. I mean, they the Cardinals had time of possession 39 minutes, 39 seconds. The Eagles had the ball for 20 minutes and 21 seconds. And, and I said to you on the show yesterday, you were filling in for Stormy. I said, this is a game the Eagles should have the ball for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the Eagles were going to run the ball down their throat. I, I thought the Eagles could run the ball right down their throat. And the Eagles only ran for 91 yards. It was, especially with what we had seen Chicago do to Arizona the week prior, and the fact that the Eagles, we said that this was set up to be a get-right game offensively for Philadelphia, and if it didn't look good, then you can kind of sound all the alarms for the official panic they're, mode they're in sounding. Philadelphia. Yeah, the, the, the alarms are going off Everybody here. Everybody who plunges into the Atlantic Ocean this morning is plunging with the Eagles. We'll talk more about this game and the NFC East ramifications next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, it's funny, Michael, watching that game, the Eagles getting out to the 21-6 to lead. Like, I was texting my brother back and forth because obviously we're Cowboys fans. We're rooting for the Arizona Cardinals. And I texted him. I said, the Eagles are ripe today, but the Cardinals keep making mistakes. And the opening Cardinals drive, they drive all the way down into the deep into the red zone. Kyler has a bad fumble. They ended up recovering it, but they had to settle for three. Then another drive. The next one, they drive all the way down the field. There's the miscommunication. Kyler throws the bad pick six. And it's just like, okay, I guess it's going to be that kind of day for Arizona. You watch that game. The Eagle defense never really stopped the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals, they end the game on four straight touchdown drives. It was all day long what Arizona did. This could have been worse. Like, the fact that it was close was Arizona making mistakes early. They could have blown the Eagles out. 
No question. The perfect example, Femi, of a game when you're watching that the one team's in the lead, but the other team's in control. I felt that way with the Colts game, too. I mm. felt like the Colts had the lead, but I didn't think the Colts had control of the game, right? Because And then they did get control of the game on an interception, but it got called back on a horrendous call. But that goes beside the point. But I think that's the perfect example you're talking about. The Eagles could, because they can't get control of the, of the offense, I thought the Cardinals, and we'll talk about this in the awards, but the Cardinals' offensive game plan was outstanding. It was outstanding. I mean, they had a 10-play drive, a 9-play drive, an 8-play drive, and then they went 7 plays, 70 yards, and, and, and got four first downs and scored in and, and no time at all. I mean, really no time at all. They went right down the field. And so there's no answer. I mean, Patricia tries blitz zero on the fourth down in the red zone, touchdown. Can't cover the guy. I mean, they can't cover. I, I mean, here's what the worst thing that could happen to Philadelphia, and, and it won't because they're going to play Tampa, which I think kind of helps them a little bit in the playoffs. But Or they're going to play the AFC, somebody in the AFC, right? They're going to play – they're either going to play Tampa or they're going to – excuse me, they're going to play uh, New Orleans or they're going to – they could play Atlanta. I mean, one of those three. Obviously, yeah. if Tampa can beat Carolina. If they can't beat Carolina now, you know, who, who cares? But, you know, four or five, right? Dallas has got to play seven. That's Green Bay. That's going to be a hard game. That'll be a hard game if Green Bay's a seventh seed. The worst thing of all that happened on Sunday, on Saturday night, as you watched it, was that, that the Lions, not only did they get screwed by your man Brad Allen, they now have to play the Rams as the three mm-hmm. to six seed. That, that ain't going to be good now. That is not going to be good. Not that I think the Rams can win three in a row, but the Rams are so good at one-game elimination. Now, obviously, it was a trap game yesterday. They got fortunate. We'll talk about that later. But I think that that, that sets up. Philly, I know that they're licking their wounds, but you, don't you want to play Tampa? But, you know, Tampa can't run the ball. They don't really yeah. run the football effectively, you know, and uh, they don't really have a great home field advantage. But let, let's face it, the way Philly's playing right now, not their pad level's not great. Defensively, I'm talking about. You know, they are not able to get control of the line of scrimmage with this front, which is what they base everything on is their front. Their front is really letting them down in terms of their run fits. Their pad level is too high. They're getting pushed around. I mean, Arizona just – you don't run for 200 and some yards because you're playing – you're just not playing – you you missed a fit. You're getting your ass kicked. Yeah, no, it wasn't ass kicking up there. The Eagles, like the, the defensive line, which they hang their hat on, was non-existent. And the secondary, of course, we've talked about that secondary being weak for a couple of years now, that the D-line made it look better than what it was. And now that the D-line's not doing their job, the secondary looks even worse than it is. But last thing for me on this game, I wanted to ask you about this. What did you make of the Jonathan Gannon onside kick with 5.08 to go in the fourth quarter? Because watching it in real time, and maybe I'm just galaxy braining this thing, but I, I thought that it was actually a pretty smart decision of, okay, he knows his offense can score at will essentially he wants as much time as possible for his offense to where maybe if the Eagles score a touchdown the Cardinals can go down the field and score a touchdown and potentially go for two to try to win the game Eagles settle for three then all they need to do is get a touchdown to take the lead like I thought it was kind of almost like a like a little bit of like a 4D chess move from Jonathan Gannon kicking the onside kick to make sure he had enough time to respond right because he didn't want them to eat up all the clock and run the ball out which they could easily have done and look for him he here's the way he's got to examine a game for me to win a game, I got to play good in the red zone, right? For me to win mm-hmm. a game, I got to play good in the red zone. And you know, he was, he, you know, he was, he was able to hold the Eagles to two for two in the red zone. They scored every time, but he kept them on the fringe there. They got the holding call, 
which pushed them back. And then they couldn't make the play and they had to settle for the field goal. So I, I think it was, a you know, look, hey, one thing he was trying to do, he played from behind and caught up. Think about that. Play yeah. from behind against Philadelphia at home. He's down 21-6, start the second half. I mean, credit them. I mean, credit them. I never saw that coming. You know, a lot of people took the Cardinals in the points. Cardinals had the flu all week. I thought that was going to affect Murray. Murray didn't win the game for him. What won the game for him was their offensive line kicking the shit out of Philly's defensive line. Hundred percent there. As the Philadelphia Eagles loosened up their grip on the NFC East, there they were in the driver's seat, no longer in the driver's seat, because what we saw Saturday night and all the controversy with that, the the eligibles and ineligible offensive linemen on the two-point conversion, the Cowboys beating the Lions 20 to 19. Of course, Brad Allen under scrutiny, Dan Campbell uh, under scrutiny. Brad Allen should Mike, be suspended. Mike McCarthy I mean, if, under if scrutiny. We're gonna, <laughs> if we're going to suspend players, why can't we suspend this guy? Yeah, like he needs to get suspended. And now, look, Dan Campbell needs to get suspended, too, and so does Mike McCarthy. I mean, you know, what's getting lost in this game, Femi, is the ridiculousness. Look, here's the thing I don't understand. You know, we're taught the game of football. We're taught football that says whoever has the most points wins the game. Mm -hmm. For some reason, we've taken this analytical approach of the basketball. Three-pointers in volume are a lot better than two-pointers. I get that because you have a lot more possessions in football. Right. Remember, football is a possession sport and you're limited on possessions. It's not like the NBA where you're getting multiple possessions. So I get the three for two because by possessions, you make it up, even if you don't shoot as well. I got that. Yeah. But you're sitting there in the second quarter and you know you're playing in a close game and it's a playoff type game. And you've had three plays from the nine yard line that you can't get or seven yard line. You can't get shit. Why is that fourth play going to be the winner? Why not just take the points? If he takes the three points there, he's got him at the, in his pocket in the fourth quarter. Like, this is what drives me crazy. This is not, to me, analytics. Analytics is what you do in terms of the fourth quarter. How do we do this? How do we play it? What are the percentages? What's my opponent doing? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't factor that in. Like, you've got to factor that in. That's a close game. I'm going to need points. I, may, I need seven. I want seven. But if I get nothing here, what do I get? Like, that was a dumb move. McCarthy throwing the ball oh on se- after they called their second down was another malpractice event. All this is getting lost because of the incompetence of Brad Allen, which he deserves it, right? He does. In defending Campbell, Campbell told the officials before the game what the play was, you know? And, and, and they still blew it. And, they, you know, they can hide it. I mean, we're going to see this tape. It's like the Warren report. I mean, it's a, now, now we've got the trip and we got the magic bullet coming out. We got who said, who said, she said. Like, you're not going to see Brad Allen in a playoff game. You better not. No, no. I, I don't think we should see him a, a, anymore as an NFL official. He should official. be fired. He yeah, should, he I should mean, be this, fired. He cost people. He cost Detroit the two seed now in, in retrospect mm-hmm. where they would have to play Green Bay for a second time, a third time. You know, or, or maybe somebody else. I don't know if Green Bay can beat Chicago, but the reality of it is, is you know, it cost them that. And then, then and here's the other thing is, once you don't, once most teams have three or four two-point plays, okay? You go in the game, you have three or four two-point plays. And they're unique plays. They're, okay, we, they're got to have it plays. We got to have, we got to have this play. But when you move from the two to the seven, that play that you had at the two isn't the same play you have at the seven. Now you're in the red zone. You're in the low red zone, which is the hardest place to score, especially when you have a quarterback who doesn't move. 
Like when you think about the movement, like Jalen Hurts yesterday, he gets out of the pocket, he scrambles, there ends up being like a pick, and Goddard ends up wide open in the end zone, touchdown. Mahomes moves around, you know, and makes a play. Goff isn't doing that. So the play has to be perfect. Why, why not kick the ball and go to overtime? What is wrong with this? Can somebody, like, I don't understand the logic of this. Like, your job as a head coach is to live for another day, is to give your team every chance you have to win. And, and if you get beat, okay. But why does it have to come down to one play? Why can't it come down to one quarter? It's always the difference. As somebody who like likes to place wagers on sports, I always talk about the difference between betting and gambling. And what Dan Campbell did at the end of that game, and also too in, in the first half there, not taking the field goal and just going for it on fourth and goal from the four, that's gambling. Like betting is, okay, we got this two-point conversion play. We have a perceived edge, in our opinion, to where we have the play of the year that we can go ahead and beat these guys. And it was. Unfortunately, though, the, the ref screwed it up. But then when you go back to the seven and say, we're going to go for it anyways, you get the break of the offsides and then still go for it from the four yard line for a two point like that's just gambling you're on tilt at that point you're gambling you're doubling down and that's not what you should be doing and it ended up costing his team like like yes even after the Brad Allen thing they could have still won the game because if they go to overtime who knows what happens what if you get a stop against Dallas what if you get the ball first and go down the field and score a touchdown because the Dallas defense had been reeling like like, I don't I, I don't get it like I think a lot of people are at fault McCarthy as you outlined he is at fault I was going crazy with that one and it's one of the reasons why you I don't know if you can fully trust this Cowboys team in the playoffs because McCarthy's done this multiple times this season, once against Seattle and now against Detroit to where he's throwing the ball when the other team has no timeouts left. It's just, it was a comedy of errors. In, 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 in summary, it was a comedy of errors and Cowboys ended up being the beneficiaries of this, but we may, maybe we'll see this rematch in a few weeks, Michael, in the 2-3 game. Who knows? <laughs> like Maybe that's what happens. You know, but to me, I agree with you. Like McCarthy's, like the whole game is like, okay, like, what do we do? We got to get the, we got to get the field goal. We got to make this, you know, we're going to win this game. And I get when Campbell told his team, we're going to take it down the field. We're going to go for two and win the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a problem going for two at that point. You yeah. had a really good play. You have a really good play. Yep. But when you go back to the seven, you don't have a really good play. You it's have over. A, you have a red, a low red zone play. Right. And now all of a sudden you're out of it. Like, why do that? It just to me, it doesn't it's not good for your team. You know, and I'm sure it makes everybody in the analytical community happy. But the result of the play and the result of the failure, now you're the three seed playing the Rams coming in. Turning down those points, here come the Rams. You know, not kicking the extra point, here come the Rams. Nobody talks about the after effect of a bad decision. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, do the analytics factor in the potential of having to now play multiple road games to have to go to the Super Bowl? Because that's what Detroit wants to do. They want to go to the Super Bowl. If chalk prevails, you're at Dallas. And if you beat Dallas, now you're at San Francisco versus maybe you only have to play one road game. Like, that's a big deal. And they threw it away. Huge (laughs) deal. Yeah, I mean, they threw it away. And and I think, to me, the other thing you got to factor into this whole conversation is, is, like, what are the chances of making it from the seven as opposed to the two? Those numbers go up. Of course, naturally, the ESPN graphic says go for it. I've yet to see it say don't go for it. And, and when are we going to put the quarter in play? First quarter, second quarter. And when are we going to equate possessions to the decision? Yeah. Like, how many more possessions do we have based on this decision? That's to me when, when the numbers go up. The analytics say go. <laughs> we'll get to the AFC South next.
right, let's get to the AFC South. Speaking of being on tilt, I think a lot of Indianapolis Colts backers might have been on tilt yesterday after the Colts were in control in the fourth quarter. They were up, and then the Raiders come through that back door. Colts do get the win, though, 23-20, in terms of keeping their playoff hopes alive here. But uh, I, I know you were on the, the wrong end of the, of the hook there in that game, but Indianapolis yeah. now at 9-7 and seven is uh, – they, they, all they have to do is now just beat the Houston Texans and they're in the playoffs and they might be able to even win the division depending on what happens in Jacksonville's game. I, I, I don't know how they're going to win the division. I don't know how they're going to win playing defense the way they play defense. They made Aiden O'Connell look like Peyton Manning. Aiden O'Connell had one of the worst. If you just go through all the analytical numbers, he had one of the worst numbers of anything. And he played a seven-on-seven game. I mean, he, he threw for 286 yards. He only threw for 254 against the Chargers who quit, and they scored 63. I mean, you know, he threw for – it was ridiculous. They're sitting there playing. You know, they're giving them easy throws. They can't rush. I mean, the whole, the whole idea behind Gus Bradley's defense is we're going to play cover three. We're going to match zone. We're gonna, but we're going to rush four guys. And when you've got Michael Bennett and you've got all these great rushers like they had in Seattle, that's good. It works. But when you don't have that – and guys are stuck on blocks. At some point, you gotta, you have to coach the game. You gotta be in the scheme. And there they are. They're, they're, that game should not have been close. Especially you're going against a quarterback who last week threw for 48 yards against the Chiefs. He mm-hmm. threw for 146 against Brian Flores. Why? Because Flores went after his ass. You know. I mean, so like, <clears throat> are, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know how the Colts are going to beat anybody playing defense like that. I respect Steichen. I think he's done a great job offensively. You know, they had some he, – he, he saw the game. What I saw in him was I thought he saw the game that he knew he had to play. It got a huge break with the Jack Jones offsides, which we never got a camera angle to see if he was offsides or not on the field goal. But mm-hmm. got a huge break on that one. And, you know, the pass interference on Jack Jones, that was obvious. But they couldn't punch it in. I mean, they couldn't punch it in. And, you know, there they are. They're sitting there 23-13. And all they got to do is get a stop at the end of the game. And now it's an onside kick game. Anyway, the hook won. God bless. That was a good call. But I, I think I'm not complaining about this because I, I lost my recommendation. I'm complaining about this as, as you move forward to play the Texans, right? Yeah. I'm complaining about this as, you know, because you played the Texans in week one, in week two down there when they really weren't the Texans, right? You, you know, you played them down there and they threw for three, they threw for 237 on you in that game, okay? And now you scored 31 points against their defense, but you gave up 24 first downs. Now they're coming to your place, right? They're playing way better than they did in week two. I don't know how you're going to stop them. I don't know where your front's going to get this. Like, at some point, a coach has to accept what his scheme is based on the relativity of his of the talent. Yeah. And if you can't you, – you, and then who are we playing? It goes back to analytics. You just can't say go for it if you don't know the whole situation. I mean, for people that, that live in the information world, as analytical community does – you're really not taking all the information in if you don't equate the opponent, the, all, this, all the things that go to the moment. If you don't add those all in. It's the same thing with Bradley. You're sitting there watching Aiden O'Connell throw goddamn out routes because you're just giving them to him, you know, and you're saying, well, we're just going to tighten up down in the red zone. Okay, good luck. Like yeah. at some point, go after him. You've got to have two or three blitzes that you know they can't block. It was almost like he didn't watch Aiden O'Connell's past like month or so. Like I don't know what he, he probably what, what, didn't. Yeah, he he he, he playing against Coke machines. 
I mean, that's why the Bengals, you know, the Bengals, he goes and plays the Bengals. I know they were on the road, but, you know, Jake Browning, I mean, he just will throw this bad boy all over the yard. I mean, you can't win like that. Why? Because you can't get control of the game. Like, they never got control of the game because they never forced a negative play. They never forced a turnover, which is his whole concept. But when you only rush four, that concept goes out the window. The last two weeks, they've had not forced a turnover. They've not forced a turnover. And, you know, they were fortunate enough that they were able to beat the Raiders. They got blown out by, by the Falcons. I mean, why did they, why did they dominate Pittsburgh 30-13? Well, they got three turnovers. Pittsburgh made three mistakes, and plus they blocked a punt. Yeah. And, I mean, it's going against Trubisky when he's throwing the football to the other team. That helps. Now they're going to take on this Houston Texans team who yesterday wasn't, like, the most efficient offensive performance, but it, they did enough. They're 312 yards, five yards per play. They beat the Titans 26-3. to Defensively, it looked a whole lot better, though, for Houston. They ended up knocking Will Levis out of the game on that fumble that they went ahead and scored. Uh, Ryan Tannehill comes in. His completion percentage was pretty good, but, I mean, the, the Tennessee Titans never really threatened offensively. He's only had 187 yards and three. 3.5 yards per play is Houston now is a, like 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 Indianapolis one win away from going to the playoffs. Look, I think Houston's I think Houston's the best team right now. I really do because I think that if they get healthier on defense, you know, especially if they can get Greenlaw back in there to help them. Collins is a good player. Woods has been playing good. I thought Stroud was back to being Stroud coming off the concussion. You know, Singletary's been dynamic for him. He's been really good. Mm-hmm. He's I thought Pierce would be their best back. Singletary is. But look, look, this Tennessee team's – I mean, this is – and I said this on our show, all that Tennessee nonsense about Vrabel is an underdog. you got to throw it out the window. Yeah. Because this team is bad. This offensive line is atrocious. They really have some real issues. And the issues are how good are they in the front office and is Carthon and Vrabel going to be able to coexist together? I think that's got to be something talked about. I know Vrabel's contract's up. They want to keep Vrabel. But I think Vrabel's not happy with the setup that he has. I know, I know that they can't be happy with Levis. Like, you can't think that you're going into next year saying, we got Levis, everything's going to be okay. They're in the worst place you could be. They have two young quarterbacks, and they don't have a quarterback. Like, this Tennessee team's going to need a lot of senior leadership to figure it out. And what we've seen from their team, I mean, they signed Diller to a one-year $10 million. He can't even start for them. Right, Their offensive line is an absolute tr- atrocious. They played him yesterday. They started Dillard because the other guy got hurt, but he's terrible. Right, the, This whole offensive line can't block anybody. Henry's not going to come back. Where are we going? Where are they going? You know, this is probably more of a Thursday question, but I kind of want to ask it to you now since it's at the top of my head. For Tennessee, and if you're Rand Carthon, the general manager, it's almost like this year for him, his goal was to figure out whether Will Levis is good or not. And, like, Levis was out there, and, like, they played him. Obviously, like, Tannehill's a better quarterback than Will Levis. I think everybody can see that. But it was almost, it felt like, to me, he wanted to know, all right, can we go forward with Levis, or should we go back to the well and draft a quarterback for a third consecutive year, which maybe they might be in line to do that sitting at 5-11. and 11. Is that the proper approach as a general manager to say, hey, I know this guy is probably not our best option, but we need to figure out if he can play or not? Well, I, I think it, unless the head coach is on board and the front office is, and the ownership's on board, that's a tough one. I mean, I think, I think Rabel truly believed Tannehill would have given him the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the other problems come in. I mean, Tannehill can't move. Got, I mean, he can run around. He got sacked five times in a game. You know, they had, they had a chance to get the ball. You know, they had 11 first downs the whole goddamn day. The one for 12 on third down. I mean, they got their asses kicked. They can't block. Femi, they can't block. So how do we evaluate a quarterback if we can't block? 
This is not a Vrabel-type team. This, this game was over quickly. This mm-hmm. game was over quickly. And it was funny because in the contest, this was the, the circuit contest I'm referring to. This was a five-and-a-half line. And it went, by the time you and I were doing the show on Sunday, it was four and it went to some three and a half. Like there was money coming in on Tennessee, which to me, it's really kind of as respect to Vrabel, but not really legitimately the right thing to be doing because Vrabel can't control this anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've talked about that quite a bit. I mean, New England's chief among them right there. Like, they've been one of the worst teams against the spread because especially early in the season, the betters is, hey, like, Belichick getting these points, I got to do it, I got to do it. And unfortunately, the, if you don't have the horses, you don't have the horses, you know? It's like you can or, only or do something. if you have so a quarterback much. who turns the ball over at such a rapid rate, I mean, yeah. look, I'm telling you something. I mean, if, they, if, the, if, the, if the Patriots could have protected the ball and just made common plays with their passing game, they got a chance, but – you know, they couldn't even complete a goddamn pass. I mean, you know, Zappi's throwing – like I said on the show yesterday, Zappi, you know, this is a game where, you know, the, the Patriots have a chance if Zappi doesn't turn the ball over, and yet they turns it over and they still have a chance. They still have a chance, yeah. How about the rest of the AFC South, though? Jacksonville, without Trevor Lawrence, they get a shutout victory over Carolina, 26 to nothing. This was probably one of the uglier games on the day. Yeah. Uh, Carolina's offense, beyond broken, this whole thing is just a disaster. Their owner's apparently a disaster as well. The video, I don't know if you yeah. saw that on Twitter. Like, like what, what I we, saw it. What are we doing with that? What's he doing? What are we doing? I mean, but it's his own fault. I mean, it's his own fault. He listens to too many people. He, he, he doesn't have any confidence, and he's, you know, he's running his team into the ground. He wants to run the team, you know, and, and for a man who's made billions, he's, emo- he's making emotional decisions. He's, you know, he needs to just basically, and, you know, I'm sure he's going to get a phone call from the commissioner. Like, at some point, you got to step away and let somebody run your team. Like, you got to step away and let somebody run your team, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, whether it's if Belichick's available. Like, like if you think you're going to win your fan base over by bringing Ben Johnson in, you're going to have the same problems. Like, you read that article in The Athletic where it's, it's really like the Hunger Games where everybody reports to him and everybody's going after everybody for the power. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens. You know, that's the one thing. I mean, that was... In, in 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 Oakland, when we were all there, Al obviously Al Davis controlled everything down to whether we had gray carpet or red carpet or pink carpet in the building, right? And so, but you, nobody he was never going to let anybody have enough say. So you kind of knew it. You knew the rules were he, but he could make decisions, whereas Tepper can't. He's relying on the advice. He's talking to the media people. He's talking to the insiders. Like, he's just destroying whatever he has. Yeah. And, and I don't see how, like, and, and I'm sure obviously someone's going to take that job because there's only 32 of them. But, like, even if you're Ben Johnson or whoever, whichever hotshot guy they want to go ahead and hire, it's like you see the owner acting like that. It's like, man, like, what, are, like, what, what is this organization? Like, like you, yeah. you do that in public. What are you doing behind closed doors? Like, like, you know he's going crazy. <laughs> you know he's going crazy. He wants to hear what he wants to do. He wants to fix it tomorrow. He wants to fix it tomorrow. He doesn't want to go through the understanding of what it takes to fix it. Like, he's not willing to accept what it takes. He just thinks he can buy his way to whatever he needs to do to fix it. And, and that's just not true. Yeah. 
Like that's not the case. Like this is a salary cap sport. You can't just throw money around everywhere. Like you have to actually make smart decisions and have people in the building who can make smart decisions as well. And I mean, they're just so beyond broken right now, just in terms of what we see on the field and most importantly, what we see at the top there in the skybox with with David Tepper as an owner. Like, throwing a drink on on a fa- like, come on, like get out of here. The, the league should find his ass. Honestly, I don't know. Like I don't know what he's doing there. Uh, on the other side, though, we'll hand out some hardware. Week 17 awards. We'll also get to the NFC. South where Tampa Bay yesterday had a chance to clinch the division and laid a big old egg at home against the Saints. We'll wrap all that up on the other side. This is the GM Show. Before we get to the awards, let's talk some NFC South here, Michael. Yesterday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to the New Orleans Saints 23-13, kind of opening the door a little bit on who can win that NFC South. Bucks still control their own destiny. If they win on Sunday, they win the division and host their playoff game against the five seed. Is, is Tampa kind of losing this thing down the stretch, or do you think they'll hang on to win the division ultimately? I mean, we saw the real Baker. They can't run the football. They haven't been able to run the ball all year, except when they saw Green Bay and the Packer uniforms, they could run the ball. But for the most part, you know, we saw Baker kind of be Baker. He threw for 309 yards, scored 13 points late in the game. You know, Carr was Carr. 32 attempts, 197 yards, didn't make a mistake. You know, didn't make a mistake, managed the game correctly, and they come out of there with the win. This was one of those where you knew the Saints were going to with the bright play, right? The line mm-hmm. moved from three to two and a half. You didn't want to take you didn't want to take the Bucks here. The, the Bucks were overpriced in the marketplace. Yeah, but I didn't have enough faith, enough guts to bet Carr and Dennis Allen. Although we know Dennis Allen's a really good defensive coordinator, and he did a good job of stopping Mayfield and stopping the Bucks' offense and taking away the big play. Mike Evans had three had three catches for seventy yards, but really wasn't an impact in the game without Lattimore even playing. We didn't get the Lattimore uh, Evans fights that we typically always see. So, you know, you know shame. I, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But th- they were in complete control of this game until the fourth quarter when they got a bunch of junk yards. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the, the fourth quarter they had they, they ended up with seven first downs and, you know, it basically got almost 200 yards in the fourth quarter when the game was over. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not look, Tampa's a, a very average team. I'm not sure New Orleans is the best team because when you turn the heat up on New Orleans, can they actually make plays? I, I, we're, I mean, thankfully, we're only going to get one team from the South. We're getting two teams from the South in the AFC, which is kind of a little bit, are we sure we want that? But we're going to get it anyway. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I never really bought Baker as, you know, they're going to give him a big contract or pay him like that. Okay. You, you know, you're just going to be a nine and eight. Maybe you're ten and seven, but you're never winning anything. You're never going anywhere. I don't think he's going to make enough plays. But I do think this, and I think we talked about this when it happened. I think this one, Joe Flacco, the comeback player of the year. Mm. I mean, how do you not give it to Flacco? I, Look, I, you can give it to Hamlin. That's fine, and, and certainly coming back from from death deserves some kind of award. There's no question about that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's a remarkable thing that that kid did to even get on the field and have three tackles a season. But if you really want to give the comeback player of the year to somebody who came back, it's got to be Flacco. And we said it when it was 200 to 1. Yeah. 
we were telling people said hey like take a look at this thing joe flacco of the browns if they get it rolling and and now the entire state of ohio i guess not the entire state because cincinnati fans aren't but at least northeast ohio has rallied all behind joe flacco everyone's wacko for flacco and and, and all that stuff and the flacco frenzy i mean they're saying that this guy could be the man of the year in the state with what he's been able to do and i agree with you like like you said like obviously you don't want to like poo poo what demar hamlin is coming back from because like clearly that's like the ultimate comeback that anybody could ever have but in terms of like on-field performance and like being impactful to the season joe flacco kind of saving the browns after all the quarterback injuries and the the benchings to pj walker and dorian thompson robinson for him to come in there and ignite this browns team and have them playing their best offensive football in the kevin stefanski era like i think that should be rewarded with comeback player of the year that's 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 my too I mean, look, we, you know, Atlanta, they lay a huge egg in Chicago. I mean, you know, you, you kind of saw that one coming, although that line moved to them too, right? That was three and it went down to two and a half. And, you know, I, 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 that was my Hall and Oates play. There was no way I was taking either side in that game. But I, I think that ended the Arthur Smith era in Atlanta. If you want to, I think that'll be it. I think they'll make dramatic changes in Atlanta. My sense of it is just listening to people in the, you know, around the league talking about where these jobs are going to go. I think that's certainly going to be one. I think, you know, when you look at, we mentioned Tennessee, I think there's an interesting situation there. Vrabel, they don't want to lose Vrabel, but I think they're going to have to handle something. I think the Raiders situation is interesting. I think Jim Harbaugh hiring Don Yee Mm. is really interesting. Don Yee does a great job. He's, he's well-connected within the league. Jim typically doesn't like to hire agents. You know, he's kind of back and forth. But when he made that move, I, I think, you know, Yee represents Brady, Garoppolo. He's kind of got a connection inside that building at the Raiders, a direct link to Mark Davis. Knowing Harbaugh, as nostalgic as he is and as, as kind of as, you know, he, he started his pro coaching career at the Raiders. He's got a great sense of history with Matt and all that. I mean, if they're not going to hire Pierce, I could see them having a conversation with Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, imagine Harbaugh too. Like, if, if you turn around the Raiders and get the Raiders to like back to prominence, oh, he would. Tur- he's like, going to turn around any team he gets to. Now, yeah. the question is, does he want to work? You know, who are they sticking him with? Are they going to Are they going to keep the the current general manager, the interim general manager, in in place? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that becomes you know Champ Kelly. That becomes a, an interesting call because I just think to me, Jim's not going into a place where, you know, he's going to have to deal with the, the, the situation he had in San Francisco where Trent Balky's telling him he's got other people interfering with him. I don't think that's going to happen. The NFC playoff picture, obviously, in terms of teams that can control their destiny. <laughs> How about Big Daddy's Packers last night? To end was the, with them to last end, night. To, to, it just to, took us six minutes to get there, but we got there. <laughs> now, the man wants to be negative, okay? He's dying to be negative, right? You know, and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, Big Daddy, your boy. Now, he's very confused to start the game off because LaFuck had a hat on. So we really don't know if he got a haircut, okay? So that was a problem for us. So he got the hair on. He liked the si- he liked the beard look going, you know, the yep. sideburns going down. Just trimmed up. But I'm going to tell you something now you can say whatever we kidding the fuck around here but when the fuck knows what the defense is doing his play calling last night was top top shelf mm-hmm. it was outstanding and jordan love was great and yeah. their offensive line handled every blitz credit their offensive line coach the scheme they were by far the better team and i think this and i try to tell this to big daddy and he wasn't going to believe it you know he becomes obsessed with certain players like the Knicks trade, you know, the classic, he's a Knicks fan, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was a we'll see, but he didn't want to give up on, I think it's Quigley. Is yeah, it, Ma- that, Ma- Emmanuel Quigley. 
<laughs> he loved Quigley. He loves Quigley. He loved, everything around the Knicks was, should have been built around Quigley. You know, that was the whole thing. So, you know, we'll see. And everything's about, you know, the, the defensive line. They dominated. I mean, other than the stupid, they don't catch the punt. That's a, that's a complete route. I mm-hmm. thought they looked incredible. E- even he admitted to me in the late text, he said, yeah, that, this is the best they played all year. I thought the floor was as good as they can be. Their skill players are outstanding. And when Aaron Jones is humming, man, they're good. They're yeah. good now. Can, can they ever get Christian Watson back healthy? Because like, I feel like we've only seen about three or four games of this fully formed skill yeah. position group to where it's like, Maybe it is a dangerous team. Like, let's say that now they obviously have to take care of business against Chicago, and they were in this spot last year, and they blew it against Detroit. This year they have a chance to go ahead and correct that that error from a season ago. But if they can ever get Watson back, and you have Jones, and Jaden Reed is awesome, Dobbs is playing well as well, and the, 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 the young hurt. tight end. They say it's his ribs, so hopefully oh. he can go. But here's what I do think, what I, what I feel like I learned about the Packers is when LaFleur and Barry, when they have played against a team before – they play better. Mm. Like when they play a new team like the Giants or the Panthers, they're not as good. But when they know you, they're good. I mean, that's why they played good against the Lions in the second game. That's why they played good against Minnesota in the second game. Now, will it hold up in the Bears in the second game? Because they played good against the Bears in the first game. I think when they have a feel for the coach of the other team, offensively and defensively, they're better. It's when they play these new teams that they really kind of don't have a handle on. Now, I say that, but offensively, I think Jordan Love, there's no need to talk about is Jordan Love a good player. Jordan Love's a good player. Like Jordan Love, to me, is what everybody wishes Justin Fields would be. Like, Jordan Love's good enough to play. Like, they don't need to draft a quarterback. They got one. They need to build a team around them. They need to get better defensively. But they got a quarterback. He was good. And he's going to have some bad days, no question. But I'd rather have Jordan Love a quarterback than Baker Mayfield. We'll have the Justin Fields conversation on Thursday because the fan base, they were chanting, we want Fields at the end of the game. He had one of his better games offensively. The Bears have had this second half surge, but now they have the chance to maybe play spoiler and who knows how that factors into what the decision making is in the offseason. But we'll talk about that on Thursday. Before we go, though, we have to hand out these awards. The Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. I mean, how could it not go to Arizona? Has to, right? I mean, every Philly fan, they're crying, you know? I mean, you know, look, it's bad. I mean, they made the move to Patricia. You know, their pad level's not good. Their fundamentals are not very good. They're, they're, you know, I mean, look, let's face it. Yesterday they scored, you know, they, they, they basically, they scored 31 points. They got seven from their defense. They gave up 35 to an Arizona team that got blown out by the Bears. Whoa. Yeah, that's not a good sign there for the Philadelphia Eagles who are limping into the postseason. Fraud of the week here, and I mean, I guess it's it's the Dolphins. Unfortunately, it's Miami. I mean, look, Miami's beat up now. I mean, they're not the same team. I was high on them. I thought they had a really good chance. I think they're going to have a hard time beating Buffalo, and they're going to have a hard time winning a playoff game. I mean, especially as beat up as they are right now because their offense is still soft. I mean, they're not a physical team. That offensive line isn't physical. And as the game went on yesterday, you could see the Ravens just whoop them. On the lamb. Well, I think Atlanta's on the lamb. I mean, you go into Chicago and lay an egg like that. You got everything on the line. You give up 37 points to Chicago, who doesn't really score. I think they're in a tough time. I mean, look, we've been saying it all year. Atlanta's been drafting a seven-on-seven team. I mean, you know, we're not playing flag football, Atlanta. How many more receivers are going? You're going to come back and draft another running back? I think they're going to change everything in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, David Tepper might be a bonus on the lamb as well. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. I, I think Baltimore is by far 
you know, their, their pad level is outstanding. They're hungry. They're determined. They have that look to them that they're, you know, you're going to have to really play well. And Lamar, you know, is the MVP. He won it yesterday and he deserves it. It's fascinating, right? Atlanta wasn't interested in Lamar this offseason. You know, nobody was interested in Lamar. I'm not saying you could have gotten him. But the fact is you're not interested, to me, was ridiculous. Not only were they not interested, they couldn't wait to tell people they weren't interested exactly. in Lamar Jackson. Exactly, <laughs> Femi. They, they, couldn't, they went out of their way to say, oh, we don't want him. Why would we want him? We got Desmond Ritter. Yeah, yeah we got Ritter. Why would we want the MVP of the league? Uh, it is what it is. I, I mean, Jordan Love's a good player. Yeah. Accept it. Like, move on. Like, he's a really good player. Just like Brock Purdy's a really good player. Like, at some point, they show you enough – and if they can play consistently, they're good. Are they going to have bad games? Josh Allen's been having some bad games. We don't say anything about that. Yeah. The, the ball just comes off pretty when, when you see Jordan Love drop back and throw it. He, he's got His a, mind he's, was good. He was quick-minded yesterday. He, the, the blitz, Brian brought everything he could at him, and he handled it like it was nothing. Well, how about this to chew on, though? So next Sunday night will be the Bills at the Dolphins. And there's a chance if Pittsburgh beats Baltimore, if Jacksonville beats Tennessee, and we don't get a tie Saturday night in Houston, Indianapolis, the Bills will be playing to either be the two seed in AFC East champs or if they lose out of the playoffs. How's, oh that, for, how's that for high stakes? Oh, boy. <laughs> how's that for high stakes? We'll marinate on that as we get set for week 18. We'll be back on Thursday. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. As always, subscribe, rate, and review. Once again, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday.